0: hey powerful professionals welcome to issues in black and white where we discuss key values and social issues today we are joined by a special guest joe Woo! Yeah. and we're going to talk about training so hey joe how are Hello. you doing lovely to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for listening to our podcast and putting feedback on Twitter, we really are appreciative of that. Could you start off by introducing yourself?
1: Of course, Uh, my name's Jo,
0: I've been a Head
1: of History for a long time, I'm not going to say how many years because I've just added it up and it's scary, Um, but I've also had other roles alongside being Head of History, so things like Lead Practitioner, I've been assistant SLT. At the moment, I have a a lovely role, uh, middle leadership development lead. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's a great role, and I really love it. Mm.
2: And you're brilliant at it. Mm.
1: Get that in there now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As a middle leader at the school, and that's your role. Mm. Feel very well looked after.
1: Um, I'm glad to hear it. It's a role I love. Actually, I think it's a really important role. uh,
2: Yeah. Why?
1: Why is it such an important role? Do you think? I think because middle leaders are really squeezed in a good way in that it's a lovely position to be in you get to see the whole school issues you get to work closely with slt but you also have teams that you need to work with that you need to get through the day there's a great mix of kind of theory teaching and learning practical considerations it's kind of got everything in it which makes it brilliant but utterly exhausting and i think middle leaders need a lot of tlc because of that Mm -hmm. and support and especially if you're Early, you've only just become a hod or a hoy, in fact, um, and you just need that kind of support to understand the role because it is so multifaceted. Mm. So I think it's important that there's specific support for middle leaders. Mm-hmm. I agree.
2: What What's your favourite thing about the role, or what's your favourite thing you've done in the role, or are doing?
1: Ooh. That's really tricky because it's quite a new role. I've sort of been doing Mm. it for about a year and a half. And it's not been an average year and a half, has it, really? So Mm. (laughs) I'm not sure some of the things I've done, things have worked out the way I would have expected. The thing I love the most is coaching. I love doing one-to-one coaching. Um, I think that you gain as much from being the coach as you do, as as the person receiving it, if you like, because Mm. it's a very open conversation. So I really love doing that. Um, I really like working with people who've just taken on their first middle leader role. Because I think that's really exciting and they've got loads of ideas and, and and you can learn from their new ideas as well. So I love doing that. Um, and I also, I suppose it's it's a good challenge for me because I'm not always so keen to do whole school sort of CPD. Things like sending out recorded briefings and things like that. So I've had to get out of my comfort zone, which is scary mm. but you know that's an important part of all our development is sometimes you do have to push yourself and have the courage to do something you don't really think you want to do and once you've done a couple you go oh yeah I can do this yeah. I've got a new skill it's okay mm. so it's that so yeah that's like a moment where you need to take a leap of faith <laughs> mm.
2: so I I love coaching as well I think it's such a valuable part of any sort of training or development of an individual what, do you have any advice for both sides, people who are being coaches or people who are being coached? Because I think there's actually a skill to being coached as well, mm. right? Um, what, yeah. What's your advice for those for people in those situations? It is, isn't it? I hadn't thought of it like
1: that, but yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. Um, I think... One of the things that I'm still learning, and I'm definitely not an expert coach, I'm definitely still learning about it, but it's the difference between mentoring and coaching is really important. And I think people are quite good at knowing the difference. But you do still have to be really clear at the start of of a coaching relationship, if you like, is this coaching or is it mentoring? And some people are really clear they want mentoring. I work with some people who say, I absolutely want advice and ideas, even if I don't use them all, I want you to share the sorts of things you would do. And with other people, it's definitely coaching in that it's sort of, I want to bounce this idea around. I want to air something. um, I want someone to ask me probing questions. And I suppose I'm more naturally experienced at mentoring, Mm. just from years of being a hod. you tend to do more mentoring with NQTs and so on. And then trying to actually develop myself as a coach is a different skill set, mm. and you do have to shut up more. And I'm not very good at that. Mm. You do really have to listen properly and carefully, mm. and and phrase your questions carefully. And so that I think is a is an important part of coaching. But it's it's a great skill to learn, and mm. it's fun to learn actually. Mm. I think for people being coached because I I also have a coach. Um. I think it's about, I think it's about openness really. I think it's about accepting that you can be vulnerable, that you're allowed to say, I think I've messed up or I think I'm about to mess up or um, or just I don't think I can do this job at the moment. Yeah, you know, I think people need to have, not that it's always negative things, it isn't. Yeah. But I think you do need to have openness and vulnerability if you're going to get most out of it.
0: Mm. Mm. This is so like, I don't know, I feel like this topic has like increased, I don't know, my reflection on... Um, the way that we do training in schools and just the fact that, you know, we have a lot of CPD opportunities, like very outward facing, but these like private private one-to-one type styles are kind of coming in um, a little bit more at this time. How have you found like uh, maintaining those relationships, especially during this time, and online because mm. new staff are still being employed right so how yeah. have you found how have you found doing that mm.
1: that's I mean it's been a, a steep learning curve for lots of people hasn't it doing everything mm. remotely and I'm definitely not a naturally uh, technological person <laughs> I don't love technology for its own sake but I'm prepared to use it when mm. I have to um and I think it was just a case of coaching and mentoring still need to happen Mm. possibly more so particularly for um, people newly into role I think they needed they needed it more than ever Mm. Um, so I did carry on with coaching um, throughout lockdown and I I think I think the first time it felt a bit strange because Mm. it's just not the conversation doesn't flow quite the same way Um, and there might be a few technical hitches that kind of break the conversation a little bit but actually it felt remarkably similar Uh, for me anyway and I hope it did for people I was talking to because Mm. it it felt to me that you I mean I was fortunate that I wasn't trying to build a relationship for the first time remotely I had worked with people face to face so that probably meant we were starting from a a point of knowing each other and it was a bit easier um but I don't know that it was any harder
0: Mm. thankfully yeah no that's really really good and I think that allays fears I I've also found and this is not by no means training or coaching but um for my PhD research the students that I'm interviewing I do online and I've never met them before but despite mm. and my biggest fear was the fact that I had to do them online as opposed to in person which is what I initially wanted to do um but doing them online did not affect their openness did not affect the the way that they express themselves and I think even though um it is really difficult to think about how to make that transition from being in person to online. It's important to note that going online does not prevent you from having those important conversations and those supportive conversations. Um, And just looking at my interns as well, like again, a lot of those relationships fostered online but still making progress and still developing. So, mm. yeah, mm. it's, it's and not And a good question's a good question, isn't it? It doesn't matter the circumstances of you asking it. If you're yeah. thinking about the kind of questions that you're asking people
1: um, or your responses to people's questions, mm. a good conversation works, I think, just as well. Exactly. Um, if people are open to it, of course, it's different if someone's really nervous about using the technology, yeah. but I haven't experienced that. I think most people have been willing to give it a go yeah. and have been open still. Mm.
2: Mm what about um the other side of it so the the group training sessions or the bigger training sessions the yeah. kind of or the whole school cPD that you mentioned sure. obviously that's also changed but the fundamentals of that what when you're planning something mm. like that what do you think about what do you try and get in what do you think makes a good session mm. for lots of staff
1: it's a really broad question isn't it what makes it yeah sense? because there's so <laughs> many angles you could come mm. at um and I was you know you could think about all the kind of standard things like i always think you want a mix of theory and practical i don't like it if i go to a session that's so dominated by theory and research that i come away going that's great but what do you want me to do about that Mm -hmm. so i always want that nice mix of of theory and practical ideas um i want i always want space i want a bit of head space and i quite like if if there is a decent amount of input from whoever's delivering the training i think that can be quite good because it gives people just a chance to detach from their day, zone into what we're talking about, mm. reflect for themselves. So I think I want I want sessions to be collaborative. I always plan for discussion time if at all possible or small group discussions or feedback, of course. But I tend to want to put those a bit further into the session, depending on what it's about. But I think sometimes you want a little bit of input first and mm. a chance to mull and think before you start expressing mm. your, your own ideas. Um, so I try to think about that. And also I try to keep my aims quite broad. I always think if you, if it's very precise training, you're kind of preempting what you think everyone will get from it. And you really don't know where people are, whether they're coming voluntarily to your training, whether they've been told they have to go to your training, Mm. um, what they want to get from it. So I think you have to have a certain amount of breadth and flexibility in your training. Otherwise, if you sort of think, I'm going to do it this way, because everyone will learn X, Mm. well, they might not all want to take away X. And, you know, it might be the wrong thing for them at that particular time. So, I just think breadth is is important. And then of course something about there's something about as much of it depending on how your participants feel. Mm. So if I'm going to a training session, you know, if I've had a really bad day, if it's a topic I don't really like or enjoy, um, if someone said I've got to do training, of course I'm in a completely different place to something I've volunteered to do, uh, something I'm excited about already or I've done some reading for already. So it's a it's quite a complex blend of different mm. people's expectations and and expected outcomes I suppose if you're delivering the training as well
0: yeah
1: I don't know if that's just too long a list of things
0: but no I think <laughs> that's, that's really good really yeah I think it is really helpful and I think what kind of re- stood out from what you said was kind of linking to not just thinking about what it is you're going to be training about but also about the potential kind of audience and what they might need at any given time as well and i think there does need to be a balance like between the two things so yeah really really good um why are you passionate about training future leaders oh, this is more of answer. like an interview question isn't it <laughs> but that's why are you good question. yeah like why are you passionate about it where does it stem from mm.
1: I think it just stems from finding people fascinating, full stop. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're into teaching, and I still love being a classroom teacher, um, you you love seeing people develop. You know, When you talk to teachers who are passionate about teaching their subject and about teaching their students, it's about, oh, so-and-so last lesson really got this idea, and it's so great to see them develop. And Or you, you might teach a student for five or even seven years, and you see their whole development. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true with colleagues. I don't feel any different if I see a colleague going for a new role and getting it or, um, you know, someone working their way from NQT to running a department or getting an SLT role. And it's really exciting and mm. brilliant. And I think that's that's what I love about it. That's what makes me passionate about it. But there's also, of course, the practical elements of we need to retain really good staff in all mm. our schools across the board. And meaningful career development is, is one way that we can make sure people want to commit to teaching long term which is really what the profession needs at the moment as well so for me it's very much about people but I think it's also about us caring about our profession more more broadly
0: yeah and I think it's really important that you you make that point especially as your focus is on middle leaders as well Mm -hmm. because I think that Mm -hmm. also marks the point where teachers decide do I stay or do I move up you know that is yeah, that that is yeah. quite a critical point so um it is dealing with um the issues in in relation to retention within the profession mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. really and, and really important there's something
1: important about everyone being a leader where they are as well yeah. as we are because we talk about leadership and I think still some people assume we mean Position. head teachers deputy head teachers mm-hmm. and, and we don't we mean leadership everywhere mm-hmm. in a school community because Communities don't function unless we have great leaders in our offices, great leaders in the caretaking teams, great leaders in the canteen, great leaders everywhere in uh, yeah, our students as well. So I think it's it's about seeing how good leadership at all levels expands individual people's potential, but also as a school community yeah. or a trust community or a college or whatever you are. You know, it's going to make your your community more successful mm-hmm. overall, which is exciting.
0: Well. Yeah, exactly.
2: Joe, have schools always had this focus on leadership? Like when you first became a HOD, did you get any prior training or anything like that? Oh, back in
1: the day. Back
0: in the day. Take us there. I've got
1: to think back a long way when I, I I've been teaching about three years when I became a HOD and I hadn't really been. I'd wanted to do that kind of route, definitely. But I hadn't envisaged it happening so quickly. And I was encouraged by a senior member of staff at my old school, um, which was brilliant, because I don't think I would have gone for it if he hadn't given me a nudge and said, well, I'm fully... Actually, it was more than a nudge. He was quite blunt. He just said, I'm expecting your application on my desk by Monday. Mm. OK, right, I better go for (laughs) them. Thinking, what am I doing? I won't get it. This is ridiculous. So I was kind of encouraged in that way. Mm. Um, And then I was fortunate enough to get the role. And I was sent on a one-day middle leader training course
0: Mm, interesting I don't
1: know I I don't know how widespread that was Mm. um I remember finding it interesting Mm. for years I did keep the folder actually I I, I don't have it anymore but I did keep the folder of notes I wish I'd kept it Mm. because it's quite an interesting historical artifact Mm. whether leadership training has changed much or not Um, but I remember finding it interesting but also overwhelming because there were suddenly things I'd never thought of. I, mm. I'd always been quite a systems person and into management. I guess I can do the admin, I can run a department, I'm sure that's fine. And then suddenly realised that there was this whole other thing called leadership but I hadn't really considered. Mm. So I did have some training, and I think at the time I found that very useful. But of course, nothing really prepares you for actually having to run a team for mm. years. Mm. And you definitely, like most things, you learn far more on the job than you do from just training yeah. at first yeah. but it was good to have some initial input no, it's
2: Yeah, it's good i think that's no, I, no, I, no, I, I suspect no, that was i don't know but i can imagine that being quite rare
1: actually mm, i um, think it was and it wasn't it wasn't in-house I and mean, that was the other thing I think yes. we got a lot better at schools running their own training and how yeah. can you fit into the leadership structure within your own school community yeah, exactly. so this was definitely kind of you know i think i went to birmingham for the day and it was run yeah. by a, yeah. a training company and I, I do think we've moved away from that yeah um, which i i prefer because i do think there's is it is it easier to get by and i think it can be easier to get by and if you run mm-hmm. something in house mm. um i think it means you can make it more coherent mm. if you run yeah. it in house as well um so i think we have moved on yeah. quite a long yeah. time yeah the other thing
2: i think we've really we we do really well i say we i mean i think lots of school i'm talking about schools but mm. i don't i i only have experience with several schools but mm. the schools i have experience of or have or kind of note um increasingly are focusing on those aspiring to leadership roles rather than those who have Mm. just been given positions of leadership Mm. and I think that's really good I know Leslie and I both did a course called aspiring leaders Mm. several years ago and I think it gave both of us a kind of insight into what it might be like to run a department or Mm. do leadership elsewhere before we were really there
1: which Mm. I think Mm. is brilliant because it takes that pressure off doesn't it it does and I think it's vital to do that because that was something I didn't have I think I went from kind of seeing middle leaders in action and having a very limited understanding of it to then having to do it for myself Mm, Um, which in some ways is good because however much training you have and preparation you have it's still a shock to the system when you actually have to be responsible for those things Um, but I do think that that we're much better at sort of talent spotting really and seeing Mm. which roles might suit people and how we might be able to prepare them for those roles and and giving people opportunities to try things out I think Mm. we've got far better at having a variety of roles within school things like Mm. someone in charge of running the school council or whatever it might be but those kind of roles that help you prepare for the the larger roles when you when you're ready when you want to yeah Mm.
0: and and you know, kind of bouncing off that, because of course, that's developing um, members of staff, but you spoke about receiving um, coaching yourself as a coach, um, but how else do you continue to develop yourself, mm. and even within that, how does that develop you professionally? Yeah, mm.
1: I think being a coach and having a coach definitely helps to develop you, mm. um, because you, as, as you coach other people, start to reflect more on yourself because it's a very reflective conversation and if you're a reflective person Mm. um, you're bound to come out of it thinking about your own practice as much as the other person's and then it's nice to have my own coach that I can go and speak to and say actually I've been thinking about this or I've just heard a great idea from somebody else Mm. but I don't know whether it would suit what I'm trying to do so it's just another place to bounce ideas off Mm. and also a place to to be honest about how you're feeling because Mm. particularly I think middle leaders it's quite hard when you your public face is either to SLT, where no. you really want to be positive you know, positive and on board with things and honest, of course, but you don't want to sort of be venting your spleen about things mm. or offloading if you're having a bad day. And equally, you can't really do that with your team. So I think for middle leaders, having someone neutral someone even outside of school maybe that you can talk to is really useful because you can just say i'm really irritated about this or i'm absolutely exhausted and i don't have got the energy to to tackle the next day and talking that through with someone is amazingly Mm -hmm. helpful so I, i do i would I'm plugging coaching. Quite yeah, a lot them, but I do love it. It <laughs> is really um, Other important. things I do, I read. Mm. I read a lot. I read history-specific things for my subject because I think that's really important. Um, I read gen general leadership books mm. as well. Um, I follow different leaders on Twitter mm. um, from pr- sort of primary schools, secondary schools, um, people who do TED talks about leadership, anything really that just gets you thinking about it. Even things like sports leadership and, and looking at good coaching and sports and things like yeah. that. So I try and keep my Mind as open as possible, and also just noticing the good leaders around you. You know, if you if you see someone in action, you think, oh, that they handled that so well. Just take a moment to reflect on what did they do? What did I think was good about that? Mm. Um, I always think at that moment I should have carry a notebook, but yeah. I never did. <laughs> so I've probably forgotten loads of gems, but yeah. so that's, I think noticing the people around you because that's where you'll learn the most. You, yeah. know, you can read lots of books, you can see things online, but it's the leaders you interact with every day who are going to have the greatest influence on you, I think.
0: Absolutely, Mm. absolutely. Leadership in action. action. (laughs) So
2: many um, pearls of wisdom there, Joe. But if you had to give just one to finish, if you had to just give one nugget of wisdom to, Mm. particularly to people in the first kind of five years Mm. of teaching, um, what would it be?
1: Well, I have done some prior <laughs> thinking on this, because as a listener to your podcast, I know that the, the golden nugget, as I like to call it, <laughs> is very important. So, And there's so many things. I am like, so, oh, they're, but they're, I can't get it down into one thing. And then I thought, maybe I could. But I'm actually going to, my golden nugget is a song lyric. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. Really. Okay. Um, but it's a song. <laughs> I promise I won't sing it. You'll, or you'll lose all your listeners. Um, it's, I'll just say it to you, and then I'll explain why I think it's really relevant. As I worked and travelled, each year I'd return with something to give, but still something to learn. And it's just a great line. And mm-hmm. it goes round my head quite often in September um, and also the starts of new terms like January. And it's just this idea that all training and coaching and mentoring is all about giving but also receiving and, and constantly learning. I think really my golden nugget is don't, don't think you're ever going to be the finished article because we're just, we're not. As human beings, we're not. And as professionals, we're not. And keep that kind of appetite for training and learning all the way through your career, because that's what makes it so stimulating, being a teacher.
0: I absolutely love that nugget. Actually, I I think... Some of the listeners are going to be jealous because they've been guests before, but that is definitely my favorite nugget of <laughs> them all. 100%. Yeah. A sort of gold
1: star or I
0: wish I could. I really wish <laughs> I could <laughs> give you one because honestly, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> because honestly, I just, <laughs> it genuinely feels like that is that encompasses, I think, yeah. Exactly how I feel about teaching and learning cannot have one without the other, and we should be passionate about learning and aware of the areas where we need to learn more and and seek that knowledge. Like genuinely, my favorite nugget. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I like like,
1: shirts so yeah. Honestly,
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing.
2: <laughs> I like that nugget because it's really um optimistic and full of joy and mm-hmm. that's you know that's why that's why we're teachers because yeah. we love to teach and we love to learn mm-hmm. and that's you know that's what you've basically summed up there which yeah. is wonderful brilliant thank you very much well we hope you enjoyed this episode powerful professionals send us your thoughts on twitter and instagram at issues in b and w and please leave us a review on apple Podcasts if you get a chance uh, we look forward to continuing the discussion and we will see you next week thank you joe thank you
0: joe Bye. Bye. Bye.